today, you have a chance to become a premium member of the podcast. Click one of the premium membership levels and you can get everything from a free book by an ag arts artist to free postcards to extra bonus interviews to the chance to have a piece of writing critiqued by me and a free workshop or reading by Mary Swander. So go to those show notes, scroll down and click to become a premium member. Thank you so much for your support. It's Ag Arts from Horse and Buggy Land, and I'm your host, Mary Swander. And it's spring, and the world is mud luscious. And our tractor wheels sink into the oozy stuff on the road, where the potholes have opened up wide, filling with rain. But it's spring, and the county maintenance has all but forgotten us. Let the Amish take care of their own roads, driving on the rims of their tires the way they do, tearing up the neighborhood. So Tom Chupp, God bless him, who works at the excavating company that puts in new septic tanks, loads up his dump truck with gravel and repairs our roads the best he can. And we are no longer puddle terrible. And in between late snowfalls, we managed to get out into the garden, shaking our heads at our garlic poking up through the white slush. But we are not complaining. 115 years ago, in 1907, the editor of the paper, formerly known as the Free Martintown Meteor Beacon newspaper, now just the paper, was complaining that it was too warm to be comfortable. The grass was growing rapidly, it would have to be cut, and springhouse cleaning was slow to get underway for the Amish. The English were, of course, even further behind. The editor saw a lad with a string of bullheads, a sure sign of spring, but the duck shooting that season had been poor since they drained the ponds northwest of town. That will do it. Some of the editor's subscribers were complaining that their neighbors run in and borrow their paper before they have a chance to read it, the editor wrote. It requires nerve to do a thing of this kind. And yet there are people in Free Martintown who read the paper every week and never contribute a cent to its support. It is just as reasonable to ask a man to let you chew his beefsteak before he gets a crack at it as to ask him to loan you his paper before he gets a chance to read it. This is not meant for people who cannot afford to subscribe to the paper And if there were any such, we would be glad to furnish a free copy. But we do know that there are a number of people living near or around Free Martintown who are worth thousands of dollars, and yet they will sponge the paper off their neighbors who are less able to pay for it themselves. So buy your own dang subscriptions, folks, and remember, don't send in any poetry to our editor that goat-footed balloon man who whistles far and we. In and out of the paper, we think about storms in the spring. There seem to have been plenty of tornadoes and thunderstorms to worry about in 1907. 
But now we note a definite increase in turbulent activity these days. The word deratio has entered our vocabulary, and we're trying to adjust to new terminology and new weather patterns. Here's a deratio story from farmers Maya and Carmen Black, who run Sundog Farm near Solon, Iowa. This piece was first recorded at the Practical Farmers of Iowa conference in January, where I was privileged to coach this storytelling event. August 10th, 2020. It was hot, it was dry, and there was no sign of rain in the forecast. Carmen and I found ourselves standing on the side of the gravel road, staring down into the ditch where three or four of our own lambs had escaped their electronetting, crawled under a barbed wire fence, and were happily grazing in a patch of poison ivy. <laughs> of course, it happened to be a Monday, and Mondays are some of our busiest days on the farm. It's the day that we uh, deliver our community-supported agriculture shares, so we harvest a huge variety of vegetables, get them into the walk-in cooler as quickly as we can, get them organized, and deliver to them to the customers all in one day. So. On this Monday, we left the, our, the rest of our crew harvesting vegetables after the neighbor called to go deal with these, these lambs. And the lambs not only were in the ditch, they were pretty far from a gate on either side. And so we decided that the fastest way to get them back where they needed to go was to herd them back through the hole they came out of and then crawl through the poison ivy underneath the fence and get them back into the electric netting. So we did that. I, told Maya, I said, Maya, I am going to have to shower before we go to the CSA delivery after this poison ivy. We get the lambs into the fence, we fix the energizer, and we hop in the truck to go back to our farm. And we thought that was the worst thing that was going to happen to us that day. <laughs> so in the five minutes it took us to get back to the farm, we learned on the radio that there was a strong storm in Grinnell with winds up to 70 miles an hour headed towards us at 70 miles an hour. It was going 70 down 80. <laughs> so we knew we had about an hour to prepare, so we get back to the farm. Uh, the rest of the crew had finished harvesting and were just packing in our packing shed, getting everything organized for the delivery. So we, we jump into action to prepare for the storm. I jumped right on a tractor. We'd received a load of round bales a couple days before, and I didn't want them to get rained on, so I'm moving round bales into the barn. And I headed out to our two high tunnel greenhouses to try to close them down and prepare for this apparent storm that was heading our way. As I headed out to the greenhouses, I looked back to the west, and the sight of the dark wall cloud already racing towards us really kicked my butt into gear. I had two bales left when the storm hit, and I could tell at the speed at which my eyes filled with dust that this was gonna be worse than we had expected. And I had almost finished wiggle wiring our high tunnels shut uh, when the storm struck and blew my hat off my head. And I sheltered behind the high tunnel for a second, but I realized that I couldn't stay there hiding behind a building that may in fact blow away. So I took off and I hightailed it back to our packing shed. 
Maya and I met in the packing shed where the rest of the crew furiously was trying to continue packing the CSA share. <laughs> I, I was like, I think that we should stop. And then I realized that we'd forgotten the goats in a bad location in the storm. And so in our panic, all four of us ran back out into the storm to get the goats. Four girls, seven goats, two dogs, all desperately sprinting in a single file line into the wind and water. We ditched the goats in the barn and ran up to our house where we stood, dripping, in the living room, not the basement, watching the trees fall down just outside the window. After the storm passed, we realized that there was no way we could get to town and deliver the CSA share, and we couldn't even communicate with anyone. We didn't know it at the time, but a cell phone tower had gone down. So we just set to work trying to make sure that our livestock was all okay. We had livestock in like five places, and we patched up some fences and just made sure that everyone would be okay for the night and hoped that the electricity would come back on in the morning. Day two. I woke up and the still heat in my room let me know that the electricity had not come back on. And I also immediately realized that I had developed a really horrible case of poison ivy in my left armpit um, from crawling under a fence in the ditch and forgetting to shower. That morning, I attempted to grind the coffee beans for our critical morning coffee by putting them in a Ziploc bag and smashing them with a brick. <laughs> <laughs> After drinking our weak coffee, we, um, we packed up all of the vegetables that we'd harvested the day before, and some friends an hour north of us had gotten their electricity back, so we were able to load up the trucks and bring all of our vegetables to a functional walk-in cooler. This was a little bit challenging with my armpit ivy, but I made it work. And, um, on the way back, we stopped at the one gas station with gasoline, waited in a pretty long line and, um, to get gasoline to power a generator that our mom had. So this generator was at our mom's house, which is about five miles down the road, and we thought it would be better to run the generator from our farm so that we could water all of our livestock, which were, you know, distributed around. And um, so we loaded it up, brought it back to the farm, and quickly realized that we didn't have a critical adapter piece to hook it up to our own well pump. So we had to schlep it back to our mom's place and we began the process of watering all of our livestock by using a 50 gallon drum in the back of our side-by-side -side utility vehicle. And this wasn't all bad. We were dr driving around our neighborhood several times a day, and we ran into a lot of other neighbors driving around the neighborhood with buckets of water in the back of their trucks. And we hadn't seen people in a while because of COVID, and we were really busy, everything happening. So we caught up, and we were even able to charge our cell phones. Day three. A friend called and had heard about the storm and was going to be passing through the area and asked if we needed anything. I was able to give him the exact adapter part that we needed, and after visiting four or five stores, he bought the last adapter in Kearney, Nebraska. Day four. Um, our friend arrived with the adapter, and we called the neighbor who came right over, who's good at electricity, got the generator hardwired into the well pump, and we had water. 
And over the past couple of days of talking to our neighbors on the road, we had developed a pretty good sense of a lot of other people that were having trouble producing water for their livestock. So we sent off some text messages and quickly became the neighborhood watering hole. <laughs> it was also on day four that we realized that we could plug the coffee grinder into the generator while it was running <laughs> and make a better pot of coffee. <laughs> It was really nice to have stronger coffee on this day because this was also our next CSA delivery day. And so we were able to uh, harvest, pack, and deliver uh, CSA shares without electricity or refrigeration, which was a real milestone for us. <laughs> day seven. The power, the power came, came back, back on. on. And we still had a lot of work to do, but uh, very slowly things started to go back to normal. To be honest, we still have piles of wood sitting around from the derecho. And, um, but ultimately, we learned a couple of things. One, that our neighborhood community is actually a lot stronger altogether than any one of us is by ourselves. And that you really do get all the gossip when you're the neighborhood watering hole. <laughs> but probably most importantly, we learned that you should always shower after crawling through a ditch even if you don't have electricity. also experienced two derechos, and I've been in a couple of tornadoes. Had my roof blown off and windows broken in a straight-line wind, and replaced four roofs in 30 years in hailstorms. This year, storm bunkers have gone on sale across the Midwest, looking a lot like root cellars where we used to store our potatoes and hide from tornadoes when I was a kid. With all of our recent storms, a friend asked if I had a safe place to go. Was I considering installing a storm bunker? I told her that I go to my windowless furnace room in the basement. I have quite a little setup, well-equipped and very cozy. And here's a poem from my book, Heaven and Earth House, that dramatizes the whole experience. Batteries and blankets. This spring, I've made a little place here in the cellar to listen to the radio crackle the weather. Tornado watch, high winds and hail, take cover. In this furnace room, I'm alone with the centipedes and cinder blocks, the mouse scurrying to squeeze in from the rain. I'm away from all windows and flying glass, the silver maple that might crash through the roof. Overturned bucket, my chair, I see by an oil lamp on loan from a neighbor. How dumb to depend on lines from the world. In these storms, it's no use to think phone or pump or switch. 
In the draft, only the dust churns and the old ducks, their arms branching up, the octopus. Outside, the anemones swim along the grove floor and bend in the inky dark. Once I knew a man who drove a friend here from the east. She belted in, terrified the whole time of a funnel cloud. Just as they crossed the state line, the sky clear and cool, he pulled his VW bug to the side and ordered her down. This is it, quick, the only safe place underneath. She dove past the exhaust pipe, crawled and scrunched, scraping her back, her butt, on the pan. He stood on the highway and laughed. Once I lived above a garage, and when I heard the horns, ran to the owner's basement, their 90-year-old mother, memory gone but body still strong, nailing shut the door, crying, Sinbad, Sinbad, we're all ruined, lost in the wreck. Once I was yanked from sleep, my mother's hand flying me down the three flights of steps, that time the coal room, and prayers, Hail Mary, while the twister wound its fury past the house, ripping up everything in its path. Our clothesline and poles were found a mile from town, where a barn collapsed on a man milking cows. Holy Mary, I answered, and pressed my legs together, trying to stop from wetting my pants. Upstairs, my father, the engineer, moved from one window to another, opening, closing, each a crack, trying to assure the proper flow of air. But this year the blows have become routine. The howl through the attic vents, feed sacks tumbling across the field smack into the fence. 2 a.m., and I'm chewing gum, recounting other times, the snake bite, car wreck, doctor goof, the bolt of lightning so close it fanned the hairs on my arms. Suddenly I recall the dryer blowing up, the bang, the smoke, the flames in the air. Then at age four, the fall from the elm tree. And at 30, the drunk who broke in. And how, from the second-story window, I jumped to safety. Now I sit up and tell these tales to the mouse. His black eyes glare back at me. The two of us know the game. Where one night ends, another begins. Until all is forgiven or simply spent, forgotten, and the sky relents. Call-in catastrophe show at KLUU Get a Clue Radio. We're on the air with your worries, your weary complaints, your wonder at the catastrophes we have now had that have become part of our everyday lives. Have a question about the plague? We're here to listen. Don't remember the plague anymore? Too worried about the war? We'll give you a shoulder to lean on. Got clobbered by the tornado? 
will help you rebuild. Our masks are off. They were never really on. But our weather is wacko, and we ride through the bowl with grace here in free Martintown. We're opening our lines now and waiting for the first caller. Okay. Y yes, yes. All right, go ahead. You're on the air. Hello. Go ahead. You're on the air. I want to talk about that day ratio. Oh, yes, the duration. Now, we've had two duratios in the last year. Yeah. I never even heard the word before. De-re-sho. What kind of word is that? I believe it's Spanish. Oh. Are you calling about the first de-re-sho we had in August or the one in December? Yeah, that's the problem. And what is that? Did your house get damaged in the de-re-shos? No. No property damaged. Just a tree down. Oh, I see. Then what's the problem? Day ratio one or day ratio two? Are we just going to call these things by numbers or months? August or December? It looks like these are the ratios here are going to just keep hitting us. And then what? What do we call them? August 2020, December 2021. Doesn't have much poetry to it, if you see what I mean. Oh, no, uh, we have a poet on the line? No, no, I'm not a poet. But I want to tell you, I was really disappointed I didn't win that bad poetry contest that that Agarts was sponsoring. I could have used the money and the new belt. No, no, what I'm saying is the first day ratio and the second... And the third doesn't have much of a ring to it. And it's going to get mighty confusing. Well, I could go along with you there, down the line. Is anybody going to remember which day ratio was the 31st? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Why don't we just name them like they do hurricanes? You know, Hurricane Katrina, Wendy, Andrew. Rita, they got names like that. Hmm. You have a point. But the hurricanes already have the corner on that naming market. All right, then give them some Dutch numbers then. Ein, Schwei, Dre. Oh, no, no, that'll get the English all mixed up. They're mixed up enough without you making them learn their numbers in German. Trees then? In the August day ratio, my silver maple went down. In December, it was my mulberry. So it could be the silver maple day ratio or the mulberry day ratio. Hmm, that's not a bad idea. Or cars. Cars. Yeah. Cars help cause this wacko weather with all their spewing fumes. So let's name the weather after wacko models of cars. Like the Edsel. The Edsel, now there was a flop. Okay, I could get into this. The Studebaker? Yeah, the Kaiser Fraser sedan. I had one of them back in the days, and it would stall out at stop signs, and I'd have to get out and crank it back up again. Oh, yeah, the Hornet? The GTO. Oh, boy, this works for me. All right, then. Talk to you after the next storm. Bye-bye. Okay, we're ready to take on our next caller. 
Yes, you're there. Okay, you're on the air. You're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, could you could you turn your radio down? Could you turn your radio down, please? Yeah, there. Sorry. What's on your mind? Winter blizzards, spring flood. No, 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 no. My problem is Alexa. Who? You know, that, that woman in my house? My son set her up for me. Oh, she's a real catastrophe. What do you mean? Well, she's talking back to me. Well, she's supposed to do what you say. What? Can you just send somebody over here to take her away? Why? You're not having fun with Alexa? Fun? I should say not. But send somebody over here and knows how to deal with her, would you? Now, 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 what is wrong with your Alexa? I told you, she's talking back to me. Oh, really? What does she say? Well, I was zooming with my niece the other night, see? And, and, and my niece was telling me about her day. And I, I just said, oh, your job sounds really interesting. Well, I don't think so. That's what Alexa said. I don't think so. What? How, how do you how do you know Alexa? How how do you know what we're talking about? And here's what she said: Because I'm listening to you. All right, I'll send someone right over to pull the plug. And we have another caller on the line. Yeah, uh, you're on the air. It's the call-in catastrophe show. KLUU, get a clue radio. You're on the air. My problem's my dish. Your dish? Yeah. You know, my dish that pulls in all my TV stations? Well, it went down in Edsel, and the repairman came and fixed it, and then it got whacked again by the Kaiser Fraser. And I didn't want to keep paying for repairs if I'm just going to be sitting around waiting for Studebaker. So I called the company again. I told them to take it out. Why do I need to watch a horror movie on TV when I can just look out the living room window? Well, what's the problem? They didn't disconnect your dish? They disconnected it, all right. But then they sent me a monthly bill. I called them. What's this? I'm done with you. I don't have TV anymore, and that's fine. I'll just listen to podcasts, thank you. That Buggy Land one from Premark Town, that's not too bad. No, lady, they said... You signed a 10-year contract, so you have to keep paying for 10 more years. What's your name? I asked. Ronnie, he said. Well, Ronnie, I want to speak to your supervisor. So I waited for a day, and I get a call from the supervisor. Hello, ma'am. My name is... Ron. Uh-huh. 
Now, Ron, I did not sign any contract. Yes, you did. You signed a 10-year contract when you had the repair work done. I don't have any contract, and I didn't sign one if I did have one. So Ron tells me he's going to hang up and send me a copy of the contract over email. Sure enough, in comes this message in my inbox with a signed contract. But it's not my signature. It's got some scrawly, scratchy name on it. Now, I went to Catholic school, Palmer Method. I have a very legible signature. And worse yet, on that contract, my name is misspelled. Misspelled. Who's in charge of these contracts? I asked Ron, and he told me he would have his supervisor, another supervisor, call me. Hello? I'm Ronald. Oh, no, I said. I'm Ronald, and you have some sort of problem with your contract you signed? Look, Ronald, I said, I never signed a contract. Your name is on it. Misspelled. And that's not my signature. I'm sorry, but you're going to get a monthly bill for the next 10 years. Ronald, I'm... 84 years old, and there is no way in the world I would sign a 10-year contract, I said. And that's where we're going to leave it for today on the Call-In Catastrophe Show at KLUU Get a Clue Radio. And that brings today's episode to a close. We were produced by Rick Brewer of Brouhaha Audio Production and had the help of Colton Anderson, our intern from Central College. We had the support of the Werner Ellithorpe Fund at the Oregon Community Foundation and the Calio Levine Fund, which also helps fund our farm-to-artist residencies. We welcome your support. Like and follow us at Facebook and Instagram. Become a premium member. Or go to our website at agarts.org, A-G-A-R-T-S dot O-R-G, and hit that red donate button. Thanks for your help, and we'll see you next time. Ha ha. Who want to talk about that day ratio?